Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the seventh day of July 2022. Yeah, that's right, 2022. I remember this time. It is Thursday. Welcome to it. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and everything else wouldn't exist without you. So thank you, seriously. And uh, double thanks, triple thanks, actually. Let's just quadruple the thanks to everybody who supports the show at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast, as well as everybody who goes to uh, DerekHunter.locals.com. Even if you don't like the curse show, there are some people who don't listen to the curse show. They just want to support the show. And uh, that's the way to do it. Five bucks a month is all we ax. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, a thank you for that. Uh, that's where you enter the contest, too. And that's where I give away. I try to, I'm trying to give away even more stuff in the future just to try and get rid of some stuff so um it's amazing what you it's weird when you're in media people just give you stuff and you take it that's the weirdest thing and you're like oh great this thing and so uh you try and get rid of it and you don't you end up packing it away but some of it's pretty cool and so i'm gonna try and uh, i'm not gonna try i'm gonna succeed in giving it away throughout the course of the rest of the year and what have you so go there and enter and uh, all of that, and thank you so much for the support. Now let's get on with the program. We have a lot to get to. There's a bunch of stuff going on. It's kind of sad. You know, the people of Highland Park have gone through hell in the last few days. Why did we have to send Kamala Harris there as well? And where's the president of the United States? Is the demography just not good enough for him? can't be used enough uh, the possibility that uh, the killer there was a trans person and so suddenly like oh wait no 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 can't send the president there dude had serious mental problems dude had serious issues and he fled the scene in drag is he trans, trans woman or whatever? Will he be, you know, will he go to court and say, I am a trans woman? I demand to be put in an all-women's prison. Would this make him the first mass shooter who is a woman? I don't know. I, it'd be interesting to see how the media would play that because they love the idea. They really do. It's kind of, it's a, well, it's not kind of, it actually is a sickness that these people sit there and get aroused at the prospect and the, the possibility and the reality. Oh, mass shooters are always men. Mass shooters are always men. And then they're always, they never want to talk about, well, yeah, they're also loner men. They're also uh, uh, medicated Men with the you know the Prozac and the Ritalin and whatever you got, they're just giving. They're just oh, you got a problem? Here's a pill to solve it. They don't want to talk about that. They never want to talk about that. But they do want to say, oh, they're all men. But what if this guy identifies as a woman? A lot of uh, you know, not not too many hetero dudes, cis, I guess the term is to play the game of the left. Not too many cis dudes dye their hair teal and fuchsia, or whatever the hell is going on in this picture. Not too many of them dress in drag with wigs running around, long-haired wigs 
running around. That's not really how we roll normal men. The UK Sun has the story. The alleged Highland Park mass shooter, quote, wore women's clothes at least once in the past before it emerged that he fled the July 4th massacre wearing a wig the Sun can exclusively reveal. There's the guy's name. I'm not going to give it. Uh, recalled seeing his nephew, uh, the blah, blah, blah. And I guess Paul is the uncle's name. There's the kid's name. Dressed in a girl, girl's clothing about a year before the 22-year-old allegedly fired 70 shots into a crowded parade. But he didn't understand why. Oh, gee, it's a mystery. Why would this person be wearing a dress? Quote, I'm shocked. It's too much to process, said Paul, the uncle. From his car, hours after it emerged that the seventh victim had died as a result of the Independence Day shooting in Illinois. There were no warning signs. Nothing, I, nothing that I saw. First of all, you are, um, you're the uncle. You're probably not around the kid all that often. You're just not. So to sit there and say there's no warning signs is a little bit stupid. But you did see the dude dress and drag. You probably knew that from the parents, from your family, that you're like, hey, this kid is on medication. Also, a big telltale sign is that uh, he had been run-ins with police, threatening, attempting suicide, and threatening to kill everybody. Those are those are telltale signs. Just just going to throw it out there. If you know somebody in your life who uh, attempted suicide, they they ha- are having issues. They need to be uh, dealt with. They need some help. If they then go on to say, "I'm going to kill everybody." Um. Yeah, that's that's a little that's another one. I don't understand how these people let this stuff go. UK Daily Mail has this story. Highland Park shooter, blah blah blah, his name has been charged by the Illinois State's Attorney's Office with seven counts of first degree murder. The charges were announced at a press conference. Blah, each charge carries blah blah blah, and said uh, they did not speculate on the motive. The attorney did uh, praise red flag laws and called for a nationwide ban on assault weapons, of course, because that's what they do. He added that the person makes his first appearance in court today via Zoom. They told the DailyMail.com he was first contacted by the suspect's family the day of the shooting and retained the following day. They have a lawyer out there now. The family has a lawyer who's calling for gun control, trying to ingratiate yourself to the victims. Well, it turns out, like we reported yesterday, but now we have more details, that this guy was known to police. Known to police. And they did nothing, apparently. They did nothing. First, the time they had an interaction with police. Twice in 2019. The first time was April 2019. A week after he threatened to kill himself. The second was in September 2019 after he threatened to, quote, kill everyone in his family. Police recovered 16 knives, a dagger. and I don't know, is a dagger different from a knife? I don't know. And a sword from his home, but he was not arrested. I guess being, let's see, he's 22 now, so three years ago he'd be 19 years old. Threatening to kill everybody in your family. I guess isn't a crime. Is that it? Everybody get one free, I'm going to kill everybody in this room pass? How does this? Because if he'd have been arrested, he might not have been able to buy, if he'd have been arrested, charged, whatever, 
he might not have uh, had such an easy time buying a weapon. The left is running around, was running around, claiming that red flag laws are the cure for what ails us. But they don't work if you don't use them. They don't work if you don't charge people with the crimes that they're accused of, if you don't try to prosecute people. It's weird how that works, right? Have this problem in Baltimore all the time. How did this person get on uh, they've been arrested 17 times. How are they on the street? Well, because they decide not really not to charge them. Not to really go after them. Well, they've been arrested a bunch, but did they really go vigorously after a conviction? No, the prosecutors go, Oh, compassion. Oh, compassion. Thy name is Democrat, and we shall forever look after the children. The children, I mean, not the children who are the victims or the future victims of sociopathic monsters who have, you know, a couple of dozen run-ins with police officers by the time they hit 18. No, no, not them, or even afterwards. We have far too many people incarcerated. We need to incarcerate fewer people. And then we wonder why it is that there are so many criminals running around on the streets committing crimes. Why is that? A top aide to the mayor of New York City was mugged yesterday in an ultimate fit of irony. We got too many people in prison. Well, here's one I can think of who deserves to be in prison, but no, out of prison, thanks to your asinine policies and your asinine party. And it comes, you know, that might change things. It's weird how when liberals are directly impacted, and I'm not talking about liberal voters. Liberal voters are a dime a dozen. The, the Democrat Party doesn't care about them. I'm talking about actual liberals who are on the job. When those people start getting impacted by this, then suddenly everything changes. Then it's game on. Then it's, we need to figure out what's going on. Maybe we need to make some changes. They'll more than likely just be given, you know, an armed escort to and from the office. That's the way. We need to ban guns. Now let me get my armed security to uh, get me back to my house. So you little peons out there, you can be the the bait. I will not be the bait. (sighs) Police recovered, but he was not arrested. Instead, he was able to turn 21 and buy two assault rifles in Illinois along with three other types of guns. It remains unclear why the two previous incidents were not flagged when he legally purchased the weapons. Now, what's weird is Illinois has the vaunted red flag laws. Again, they weren't triggered. They weren't, I don't know the intricacies of them, but I would suspect that him not being arrested would be a big part of the reason as to why it wasn't triggered. Not being charged with anything when you threaten to kill your whole family and they go, well, you know, who doesn't want to kill their whole family every now and then? I mean, come on. See how that works? You don't enforce the laws, and guess what? It crescendos. I tell you this all the time only because it's true. The first sign of problems with somebody is never that they went on a killing spree. It's never that they just went on a killing Well, they wake up, I'm 40 years old, I've led a pretty good life. But you know what? i got a bucket list. And on that bucket list is a mass killing. I've never done it. I've never even thought about doing it. But you know what? Today's the day I'm going to live a little. I'm gonna, No, that's not how human beings work. You 
are a career criminal. You're slowly desensitized to life in general. You torture animals. Maybe you, maybe you're a sociopath and are never sensitized to the existence of life. But whatever the case is, it's not the first thing you do. People miss or deliberately look away from, I bet you they're alive. I bet his parents, look, his, his family's lawyered up, okay? So they're going to try and cover their own butts here. But I guarantee you, guarantee, take it to the bank, that there were signs that the people around this kid ignored. I mean, the face tattoos and the multicolored hair and the neck tattoos, and those are kind of telltale signs. Right there. A normal, well-adjusted kid who's not a complete freaking moron doesn't go get face tattoos. They just don't. And if your kid is getting face tattoos, you might want to think about, or even contemplating face tattoos, you might want to think about, hey, um, you should probably get some counseling for that kid. You should probably figure out something. something's going on here. Okay? Something's going on here that you might want to at least talk to somebody about. I get it. Oh, pride. Pride in the family. Whatever. Sorry, dude. If your kid is calling himself Awake the Rapper and above his left eye he tattoos Awake. Um, no. 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 <sighs> you just watch this stuff. And you sit there and you go, how is all of this missed? How is all of this missed? And the, the, thing, the thing is, what the, the left controls Illinois. Democrats control Illinois. They pushed through red flag laws. Now, why did they push through red flag laws? Nobody said during the debate over red flag laws in Illinois. I don't know for sure, but I guarantee you that they didn't. They said, you know what? Let's push through some red flag laws. And hey, if we miss it, we miss somebody, whatever. Let's uh, let's just do it. It's it's mostly a formality. Don't bother local law enforcement. Don't bother reporting anything. Don't arrest anybody. Don't do no. It was pushed through as this is going to fix the problem. We will be protecting our children. We will be protecting our children's children. We will be protecting our children's children's children. We'll be protecting schools. It's a wonderful day for the state of Illinois. We have protected children. These red flag laws will save lives. And then you've got a bipedal red flag flailing in the wind, and they ignore it. They ignore. It's not that they missed it. Oh no, they they ignored it. They always use that term. They missed it. How were all these signs missed? They weren't missed. The police were at the house twice inside a calendar year, really about six months apart, April and September. April, May, June, July, August, September. Six months. Six months apart. And they did nothing. Now, is it the police's fault for not arresting the kid? Is it the prosecutor's fault for saying, we're, we're not, not going to prosecute this kid? For, look, everybody wants to kill their, their, their siblings and their parents, right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. No. They all dropped the ball. It wasn't a miss. It was a dropped the ball. There are laws. When you look at prosecutors around this country, they're all missing they're all dropping the ball they're all deliberately doing the exact same thing now most times somebody doesn't go off in a killing spree right but the ones that do 
all have these common characteristics. They could have been stopped earlier. They should have been stopped earlier. They should have been prevented from buying the gun. What I want to know is where does this kid get the money to buy all these guns? He's unemployed. He's unemployable. How the hell does he get the money to buy these weapons? And what if it came from a family member, maybe that's why they lawyered up. I don't know. But if it came from a family member, somebody's got some explaining to do. This kid's got some serious mental problems. And you're helping him buy a gun. Somebody's helping him buy a gun, I presume. There are lots of questions we don't know the answers to. But ironically, Democrats know the answers to the bigger problem anyway. We need to ban assault weapons. Everybody needs to suffer. Everybody needs to have their rights curtailed. Because this 103-pound dude who likes to cross-dress did something absolutely horrible. Don't focus on the fact that you like to cross-dress. Why? That would be, if you focus on that, if you even mention that, that's probably uh, transphobic or something like that. Just ignore it. Go with their solution. Go with the Democrats' solution. Don't worry about the facts. Don't worry about the reality. Don't worry about the misses. Trust them this time, Democrats say. Trust us this time. We will not screw up again, again. And I don't know what's sad is there are people out there who believe this stuff. There are people out there who look at this and go, wow, that's... All right, well, as long as you promise you're not going to screw up again... You'll have my vote. You sit there and you wonder how it is a city like Chicago can have the thousands of shootings and the the murders and everything. And you go, well, it's because people vote for it. People look at a situation like this and go, yeah, but I'm going to still empower the exact same people who completely dropped the ball. Think about that. This is what I find so disgusting about our friends on the left. They have an immediate ability. Well, anybody could do it. They don't have, most people have an inner monologue where they go, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. We all have stupid thoughts. We all have horrible uh, things that cross our mind and funny things. Or you're just like, I probably shouldn't say that. No matter how funny it is, you just go, that's sitting across from this this friend of mine, they're not going to appreciate that. His wife isn't going to appreciate the joke. Whatever it is. I, I, they've got that inner monologue that goes, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not quite, you know, working the gates or the door at, uh, at Studio 54 where, like, nobody gets in unless you're super special. But you should have somebody in there who goes, you're, you got to be at least this tall to ride this ride, and you're, you're just not. I'm sorry. You can't go. Uh, and that's a good thing. It's a societal norm that we all just sort of agree on, and it's different for each person. We just go, probably shouldn't do this. Democrats don't have that. Shooting? All right, we've got the solution. It's probably a white supremacist. Trump support. Oh, there's a picture of him at a Trump rally. Never mind that he's mocking the Trump rally. He's dressed up as Where's Waldo. Never mind that he's he's obviously a self-declared liberal. No, no, no. He's a Trump supporter. Oh, really? He's a trans Trump supporter. A lot of trans Trump supporters out there. A lot of face-tattooed Trump supporters out there who uh, consider themselves to be some sort of rap impresario. Or something. There's a lot of that out there. Can you point to point to a second one? You can't. It's weird. And they just go on and on and on. And they go, it's, well, I have the solution. I know what. The, I don't know what the problem is, but I have the solution. Because they don't know what the problem is. 
but they know what the issue is. Oh, gun control solution. We need red flag laws. Well, we have red flag laws on on display here. They red flags everywhere. You'd think that he was trying to land a blimp from the ground. He's part of the ground crew with all the red flags flapping around. Uh, no, it didn't work. Actually, that brings me up to uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. Did you know that the current White House press secretary is historic? I just want to impress that on everybody. She's historic. She's both black and gay. So totally, his- she sucks at her job. But she's both black and gay, so she's historic. She actually probably can't be... There's no way the Biden administration fires her. No way. So they got to suffer through this. They shouldn't have never hired her. But she was asked about red flag laws yesterday and how they they didn't work here. And what do you do with red flag laws? I want you to listen to her word salad that she tosses here. She has a book in front of her. It's like a, a book written 20 years ago, and you have to work off of that. That's your reality. She, she does not have the ability, and I don't know if she's allowed to stray from what the book tells her to say. It's a very bizarre, weird sort of thing. But uh, listen to her attempt to try and talk about red flag laws that clearly failed in this case. First, just on the Illinois shooting, um, Illinois already has a red flag law. It isn't used that often. It wasn't used in in this case, even though the suspect apparently had put some violent imagery online. Is your expectation that the gun bill that just passed is something that would have addressed this kind of situation? So I want to be very clear. Um, Yes, the bipartisan... uh, gun uh, anti gun reform bill uh, was an important first step. It was the first step that we uh, have seen in 30 years. The last time was uh, when this president uh, led um, the banning assault weapons legislation that lasted uh, for about 10 years and and sunset in 19 uh, in 2004. And so the president believes that we need we need to make sure that we ban assault weapons. Right, that is one of the the things that's being reported. Uh, that this uh, suspect um, had. And so banning assault weapons is something, again, that he's going to continue uh, to fight fight for. With that said, he understands that there's more work to be done. The uh, bipartisan bill is going to save some lives. Like that is that is true. It will save some lives. But we need more. We need to do more work. Uh, and the president's going to continue to to do that to do that fight. What we know. One thing I would say about red flag uh, laws, as we've seen them over the past several years, uh, is that when they are implemented, they do work in red states and in blue states, uh, and they are also very much in line of what uh, majority of Americans support. When they're implemented, they do work. I mean, are you saying that Illinois didn't implement their red flag law because it's fully implemented? It didn't work. She can't go into the... Well, first of all, it doesn't sound like she knows what the hell she's talking about. Let's just stipulate that right at the top. But she can't go into the reasons that it likely failed is because... The police said, well, we're not going to prosecute this guy. And I bet you there's a prosecutor behind this. They elected Democrats. So I suspect this city is not uh, not exactly big on the law and order. They are the uh, too many people are being incarcerated sort of school of thought of liberalism. And so it's either the police have been told, don't, if it's a minor, if, if, he's, if he threatens to kill like seven people, then around. But if it's only six, eh, let it slide. 
If they only got a bunch of knives instead of a, a gun, let it slide. You know, because nobody kills anybody with knives except for all the people that are killed with knives. And more people are killed with knives every year than are killed by, quote-unquote, assault weapons every year. But that's beside the point. Don't get into the details. It's a feel-good story. It's not a reality-based story. But they sit there and they just uh, go, uh, it would work. It totally would work. If we just do it. It's the way they view communism, the way they view socialism. It's failed everywhere it's been tried, but we haven't tried it. They didn't do it right. We'll do it right. We really got to just, you know, you got to find the right sweet spot to put your boot on the neck of commerce to not kill it, but uh, not completely let it be free. That's what you got to do. Like that make any sense to anybody at all? Anywhere? Bueller? No, it doesn't. But this is how they work. That being said, if you're going to have a press secretary who can't work without a book, without a cheat sheet, you need to get rid of that press secretary. It doesn't matter how historic she is. If she can't talk to... That's that's a minute and a half to just say, no, no, the law we just passed wouldn't have done a damn thing. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Wouldn't have done a damn thing. Ah, but she's collecting like $140,000 a year of our money. So congratulations to her or something. I want to shift gears here. To a, have you ever heard of a guy called uh, Samuel Brinton? Probably not. We want to talk about disturbed people, weirdos, and what the uh, the Biden administration embraces. Samuel Brinton, if you just search his name, of course, it depends on which search engine you use. But if you use uh, Google. It's all glowing. It's why I wonder. He's an American nuclear engineer. And you sit there and you go, American nuclear engineer? What the hell? Yeah, he's a uh, 34-year-old nuclear engineer and LGBTQ activist. He has a Wikipedia page. Now, why does a nuclear engineer have a, a Wikipedia page? Because he's an LGBTQ activist. Because he's a weirdo. Let's just be honest. Says uh, Samuel Brinton, born 1988, is an American nuclear engineer and LGBTQ activist appointed to be the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposal in the Office of Nuclear Energy in January 2022. That means that he is employed by us. Joe Biden found another weirdo and said, this guy, let's put him in charge of spent fuel rods. Make of that joke what you will. As of 2019, Brinton was the head of advocacy and government affairs for the nonprofit LGBTQ youth suicide prevention organization, the Trevor Project. Identifying as gender fluid, Brinton uses they and them pronouns. You're sitting there and you're going, wait a second. The head of advocacy for the Trevor Project, as noble as the prevention of suicide is, Seems to me to be a far cry from dealing with spent fuel rods and nuclear waste. Right? Doesn't it? No, he went to school, but uh, for, you know, whatever, to become a nuclear engineer. But if you spent your political career, your adult career, involved in other things not related to, like, I know a lot of people who've gone to law school who do not practice law for whatever reason. Actually, one good, really good guy used to be a vice president of the Heritage Foundation. 
he said he decided after year one that he hated, he was never going to be a lawyer. He never wanted to practice law. He couldn't stand it. And that's well, why the hell did you keep going? Well, the law degree comes in handy. And the law degree, if you have a law degree, does come in handy. It helps with legislation and all of that. You're not practicing law over there. You're just writing it. Go ahead and square that circle in your head however you need to. But he said, I'm never going to practice law. I knew I wasn't going to be a lawyer. Good, My friend Brian, darling, was on this show a lot. He uh, has a law degree. I don't know that he ever practiced law. If he did practice law, it's been a long time ago that he's practiced law. But his law degree has served him in other ways. If I were to be criminally charged with something, and I'm not, I'm legit. But if I were to be criminally charged with something, I wouldn't hire either one of them. Just because, well, they're my lawyer. Now, maybe in a pinch, you're like, oh, geez, somebody's got to come down here right now. I know them. They're lawyers. I give them five bucks. They're on retainer, and they come down and bail me out or whatever. Represent. They can handle that. But if it went to trial, I sh- no way in hell would I have them be my lawyer. And I wouldn't recommend anybody else do that because you need somebody who's actually practicing law if you're going to be serious about it. If this guy's working as a a suicide prevention organizer, why the hell would you... There's nobody out there to deal with spent nuclear fuel rods who, who I don't know, was working in the field in the last three years. But again, you've got people who push the buttons, check the boxes, and all of that, and that's what the left is. Well, there's another story about Samuel Brinton that is not not being reported. By the way, he wears dresses to work. He shaves his head bald. He's just a lot of makeup. He's like as flamboyant as you can, which again is why the dude got the job. Just saying. Uh, American Wire has a story. I've seen it in a couple of other places as well. The Biden administration has proven again that it is either a really bad, really bad at checking the backgrounds of its staffers or it simply doesn't matter. President Joe Biden's new hire at the Department of Energy's Office of Nuclear Energy checked off the leftist boxes for the administration. But a new report shines a light on a disturbing aspect of appointee Samuel Brinton's background. The LGBTQ plus activist was touted as, quote, the first openly gender fluid person in federal government leadership. When joining the administration to serve as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Spent Fuel and Waste Disposal, sporting a red pantsuit and lipstick, Brinton took to Twitter late last month to announce the new job, saying, quote, I was welcomed with open arms into the Department of Energy all the way up to the Secretary, whom I share the stage with in a Pride Month celebration panel just today. Saucy. But according to a new report by the National Pulse, <clears throat> Brinton once defended RentBoy.com, an underage gay prostitution website that shuttered soon after a federal raid in 2015. <laughs> See, the Democrats, they, they hire the, the best people. Just the best people. Aren't you so proud of this Democratic? I don't know if you're a Democrat out there listening to this. Are you proud of Democrats? Is this where you are? Is this what you've become? Is this what's going on in the world? The national now this is let's see it links to a yeah it links to a post from the Advocate. The Advocate is a gay website, gay magazine. It used to be a magazine. I don't think anything's an actual magazine anymore, except for People. The op-ed penned by Samuel Brinton 
entitled The Real Ramifications of the Rent Boy Raid. Hmm. Why the disillusion of Rent Boy is more dangerous than the website ever was. What? He wrote at the time, back in uh, 2015, nuclear physicist here, the federal government's recent attack on Rent Boy. Attack, it's an attack. It's an underage prostitution website. It's an attack. Is a devastating assault on some of the most vulnerable members of our communities. Young adults who, for the first time in their lives, were able to earn a secure living safely through Rent Boy after surviving family rejection and homelessness because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. This is a government official writing. This guy's making six figures. He's gender fluid. He looks like the uh, the space baby from one of the early episodes of Star Trek. I can't the original series. I didn't. I don't know the episodes that well. But if you just think space baby and Star Trek, that's what it is. The co-chair of Born Perfect, the National Center for Lesbian Rights campaign. Uh, to end de- the dangerous practice of practice of conversion therapy, as that that's what he, I have now. I thought he was a nuclear physicist. It's so weird that this guy is uh, able to get all these jobs and be a nuclear physicist at the same time. I have both seen and lived through the harms experienced by LGBTQ youth who are rejected by their families and left with no means to obtain an education or employment. Many of these youths still struggle to survive as young adults. So prostitution is the solution. I don't recommend any parent disown their child. But your solution, quote-unquote, shouldn't be, well, what we really need to do is legalize underage prostitution in the gay community. That would be a huge service. If you don't see that as a problem... And if you don't see the shuttering of a website that enabled that um, as a good thing, you have no business being in our government. And you should probably have, quite frankly, your uh, your internet search history searched a little bit. I suspect that that maybe, just maybe, you uh, you have a history that is not particularly good. This is who they get? This is who they get? This is who the Biden administration elevates? Organizations like, he writes, organizations like Amnesty International and the World Health Organization support the decriminalization of sex work. And recently, five major LGBT organizations, including the National Center for Lesbian Rights and the National Center for Transgender Equality, Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders of the Transgender Law Center and the Lambda Legal, good Lord, have all come out in support of Amnesty International's August 11th resolution supporting sex workers and human rights. Wow. Yeah, let's legalize prostitution, particularly gay prostitution, because somebody might end up homeless otherwise. Why do they care? The same reason I do, he writes. Because sex work disproportionately affects the LGBT community. Transgender people engage in sex work at a rate ten times that of cisgender women. Maybe there's a mental reason behind that. Maybe there are mental problems that you might want to address if you care so deeply. That's what I love about these these leftists. I care so deeply about the community. People are being forced into prostitution. Well, maybe we should deal with what's forcing them into... No, no, no. We should just legalize prostitution. 
Why do you want to hire prostitutes? That's what I hear when I when somebody for like when people used to advocate for legalizing marijuana, or they always started off with legalizing hemp. You'd always see these crunchy. When I was in college, I was these crunchy kids, and look, I I, I broke the law back then. I admit it a lot. You're sitting there and you're going, oh, uh, hemp. You know that uh, you make rope out of hemp. This uh, hoodie thing is wildly uncomfortable, totally itchy. It's it's made out of hemp. You can make clothes out of hemp. You can do all this stuff with hemp. And I'm thinking, is there much of a call? Do we need that much rope that we're looking for new sources of rope? It doesn't strike me as uh, that people are naked everywhere for lack of hemp clothing it just seems like people get worked up about some weird stuff and then you realize oh no you stink of weed they're all we got to legalize hemp we got to legalize hemp. it's better for the environment it's better just admit you just want legalized weed i'd have much more respect for you if you just said you know what i want to get stoned out of my gourd all the time that's what i want because that's what you do. That's what you do now. But then you're sitting there with your dreadlocks. And you're going, oh, I'm in favor of hemp because it's good for the planet, dude. You know that you can eat hemp seeds? Yeah, you can eat lots of things. You can eat paper, I suppose, if you really wanted to. Not sure it's a lifestyle I would choose. But these same people, like, we need to legalize sex work. Just admit you want to go and get a prostitute every now and then maybe a little more often than now and then just admit it you're not fooling anybody we all understand what you're about and if you're sitting here defending a website that specialized in underage prostitution then we enter a criminal realm and i want to know about your internet history just saying i sure as hell don't want you on the government dole don't want you on the government dole says uh A 2013 Center for American Progress report suggests that LGBTQ youth are more than three times as likely to have engaged in survival sex. Youth, kids. How about, I don't know, raising some money to find housing for LGBTQ youth rather than going, you know what, you're on the street. How about we just let you have all the prostitution you want? And we call it a draw. Is that okay? Huh? By the way, if you're ever in town, give me a call. Whoa, wait a second. What? I am not a person using sex work to survive, he says. <laughs> yeah, you're a nuclear physicist who, or nuclear engineer, allegedly, who is now working at a gay rights group at this time. I am, however, overwhelmed with messages from GBT young men. I guess you got to remove the L if you're dealing with men. Is this not a problem for women, for young girls? Uh, GBT, that's gay, bisexual, transgender young men who are afraid of having to return to their families where they face mistreatment and even worse because the main and most secure connection they had to income through escorting is now gone. I'm terrified that I'm going to have to return to a house where I can go to school. They are reaching out to me because of my passion for ending conversion therapy, a set of dangerous and discredited practices linked to severe depression, substance abuse, and even suicide. Why, it sounds like you're describing the transgender lifestyle, because that is linked more so than just about anything 
to depression, substance abuse, and even suicide. But no, I digress. The connection is horrifying. Many young men were forced into conversion therapy by their families, the families to which they may now have to return without a steady income. This makes it my issue. <laughs> Very concerned. Especially for, you know, no, I can't say that he's a frequenter of underage prostitutes back in 2015. But given that the Biden administration either knew about this op-ed or didn't know about this op-ed and they knew about it and ignored it, maybe somebody might want to look into whether or not he uh, did frequent underage prostitutes. If I'm a member of Congress, I'd like to have an oversight hearing with this creature up there and have some questions. One of the young men who messaged me said, quote, I was never harming anyone with the work I was doing. As cheesy as it sounds, most of the people just wanted a human connection with someone they could relate to on some basic human level and somebody who's underage that they could have sex with. You leave that part out. Another young man added, quote, it feels like we had a chance to act with dignity and authenticity for the first time and it was taken away from us. By not allowing us to be adults' play toys. Boy, the gay community is very, very forgiving, apparently. They are right, he concludes. The rent boys weren't harming anyone. But now these men might have to return to communities and homes which have rejected who they are. And that's where the real danger begins. The real danger. It's not in underage prostitution. No, 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 no. It's not in the exploitation of children or the human trafficking or anything like that. This guy is on the government dole. So I ask again in all seriousness, is there a weirdo mutant out there that this administration will not hire? They hired Av Avril Levine. Admiral Levine. What is, what is, I can't even remember that creature's first name. Because, uh, Rachel Levine, sorry. Because he's trans. So the answer, I think, is no. I want to talk for a second about this. Um, we're talking about how the media is desperately trying to protect Joe Biden from the coming recession, from the likely coming recession. I don't know. I mean, it's up to government data. I wouldn't put anything past this administration as far as cooking the books to avoid a recession before an election. Just saying, I don't trust these people. But this story is kind of funny because it's, it's in keeping with a theme of um, the Biden administration being in disarray. They're not saying it's in disarray. But uh, the Democrats are in a little bit of disarray. They're very concerned that uh, about the election, about going forward, about whether or not Joe Biden is the guy to lead them. Not many outlets are willing to come out with it and just say it. So this is CNN's version of sort of doing that. Their headline is, After a string of Supreme Court setbacks, Democrats wonder whether Biden White House is capable of urgency moment demands. It's by Edward Isaac DeVore over at CNN. He used to be at the Daily Beast, I think. Liberals fail up. They always hire. There never is anybody where it's just like you suck at journalism. No matter how much they, no matter how much they suck at journalism, that some other outlet isn't willing to to take a shot on. 
She writes, Deborah Messing was fed up. The former Will and Grace star was among dozens of celebrity Democratic supporters and activists who joined a call with White House aides last Monday to discuss the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Wow. That's totally right. If it were 1996, that'd be a good get. That would be a really good get. The mood was fatalistic, according to three people on the call, which also was co-organized by the advocacy group Build Back Better Together. (laughs) Uh, They can't even come up with good names anymore. Messing said she'd gotten Biden elected. Yeah, she helped him carry California in a squeaker out there. Good job, Debbie. And wanted to know why she was being asked to do anything at all. Yelling that they didn't, there didn't even seem to be a point in voting. Others wondered why the call was happening. Please keep fighting. That afternoon, participants received a follow-up email with a list of basic talking points and suggestions of Biden speech clips to share on TikTok. Yeah, that's what you really need. The key to winning this debate is to reach out to people on a Chinese communist government website and reach out to the people least likely to vote. That's the way to do it. The call, three days after the decision eliminating the federal abortion rights, encapsulated the overwhelming sense of frustration among Democrats with Biden. It offered a new window into what many in the president's party describe as mismanagement permeating the White House. Mismanagement. Top Democrats complain the president isn't acting with or perhaps is even capable of the urgency the moment demands. Now, what is he supposed to do? Honestly, listen to these idiots and you sit there and you go, "How? What? what do you want them to do? What do you need these people to do? And then you go, oh, wait. A few days earlier, the LA Times had a piece entitled News Analysis, which just means that it's not an op-ed. It's one of their reporters writing what they think. It's analysis. Like, no, 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 you're just showing your bias, but doing it under a different banner. That pressure builds on Biden to turn to executive action despite its limits and risks. That's what they want him to do. The people who will sit there and say, Donald Trump is a totalitarian. Republicans are fascists. They are monsters. They're trying to seize power. They're, they want to act unilaterally. They want to do that. Are pushing for exactly that in every possible aspect. That's what they're doing. And we really need you to go it alone. Is that legal? It doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. Remember Barack Obama. Congress won't act. I will. If you can, what do you need Congress to act for? Shut up. Stop asking questions. (laughs) Two dozen leading Democratic politicians and operatives, as well as several within the West Wing, tell CNN they feel this goes deeper than questions of ideology and posture. Instead, Instead, they say it gets to the question of basic management. More than a week after the abortion decision, top Biden aides are still wrangling over releasing new actions in response, despite the draft decision leaking six weeks earlier. The White House counsel, Dana Remus, has assured senior aides the Supreme Court wouldn't rule on abortion that day. The White House press aide assigned to the issue was walking to get coffee when the alert hit. 
Several Democratic leaders privately mocked how the president stood in the foyer of the White House, squinting through his remarks from a teleprompter as demonstrators poured outside the street, making only vague promises of action because he and his aides hadn't decided on more. <laughs> what are they so, why wasn't the president? Because he's not a genuine, sincere... He doesn't believe in anything, okay? He wants his own power. That's what he believes, and that's what he cares about. And he's, got a, he's the ultimate lick-your-finger-and-stick-it-in-the-air-and-see-which-way-the-wind-is-blowing kind of guy. That's it. That's all he is. Then Biden's July 1st meeting with governors to talk about their efforts to protect abortion rights was planned so last minute that none of those who attended came in person. and Several of those invited declined to rearrange their schedules to appear virtually. Why would you? That's like saying, hey, uh, boat captains, we're going to have a special meeting with the captain of the Titanic. Now, I know the captain of the Titanic went down with the ship, but you get the idea. You get maybe the, the captain of the Hindenburg. I don't know if he lived or not. I just love it. Multiple Democratic politicians who reached out to work with Biden, whether it's on specific bills, brainstorming or outreach, often don't hear anything back at all. Well, it's the president of the United States. What, supposed to drop everything? I do love this idea, this concept that the left is just now discovering that the left is insufferable. That, my God, there is nothing more arrogant than a liberal. They don't. You can't tell us what to do. You don't know what the hell you're telling. You're a waste of time. Oh, okay. You're you're arrogant. They're arrogance, of course. That, of course, that's the arrogance that is progressivism. You have to go. We believe. We know what we know. What is better for everybody else? And at the the top of Mount Arrogance is uh, the most arrogant people. Of course, it makes sense. I think Barack Obama was putting out feelers and going, "Hey, let's see what everybody else in the party thinks on this thing." No. Do you think he gave a damn when everything was falling apart in Obamacare? And he said, well, you know, maybe we should listen to other people who are telling us we've got to change stuff. No. They went out there and they said, it's settled law. You can't change anything. Shut up. Take your medicine, if you will. Just because you're losing your doctor is no reason to get upset. Just because I lied to you for two years. Potential appointees have languished for months waiting to hear if they'll get jobs or when they'll be done with vetting. And that's all Democrats. Republicans can't stop any of these nominees. Invitations are, uh, to events are scarce. Thank you calls barely happen. Even some aides within the White House wonder why Biden didn't fire anyone from the West Wing or the Food and Drug Administration to demonstrate some accountability or at least anger over the baby formula debacle. Do you honestly believe that Joe Biden gives a damn about baby formula? Do you really think that that when asked last week about an update, hey, you got any new information, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic, by the way, said, oh, uh, I don't know. Let's see what the book says. No, there's, we got no, up. huh, it seems like there should have been something. Maybe we'll check later. That's the level of involvement and concern they have. Once the story turns from it, they don't give a damn. The border is falling apart. Every single month there is a new record for the number of illegal aliens captured crossing into the country illegally. And this administration hadn't said squat about it. They don't care about it. Why? Because the media stopped reporting on it. You remember last year for about three weeks, they reported on it. And then they were done. That was it. They were done. 
And not since then really has it been reported on. And not since then has the Biden administration given a damn. Period. End of story. When was the last time you saw a story about the baby formula shortage? It's been a while. I bet you probably think the baby formula shortage has been taken care of. The baby formula shortage has not been taken care of. But the White House doesn't give a damn about it because they're not being asked about it very often. And it's not being splashed across the front page of the Washington Post or the New York Times. They don't care. It doesn't matter. To hell with the people. So why would they fire anybody? 13 American soldiers were killed in a terrorist attack in Joe Biden's hectic retreat from Afghanistan. And nobody was even disciplined. Forget fired. Nobody was even received a stern talking to. Why the hell would he care about a baby formula shortage? Babies can't vote for Democrats. <sighs> Inside the White House, aides are exhausted from, great, from feeling forever on red alert, batting at a swarm of crises that keep growing. Enough for White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre to make an offhand joke about the constant 11th hour decision making in the building when under fire at a recent daily briefing. Well, she should just resign then, shouldn't she? It's so racist. They're so racist. She's so historic. And they're so mean to her. <laughs> Several officials say Biden's tendency to... Be now, this is funny because if you remember, Joe Biden, before his term started... He said, anybody working for me, anybody working for me is disrespectful to anybody. I'm going to fire you. I'm going to fire. You. I will not tolerate any disrespect from anybody, especially the media. Now, this is in response to Donald Trump being mean to journalists and it endeared him to journalists because, well, journalists were already sucking up to Joe Biden anyway. But uh, there have been a lot of people who have been particularly rude to journalists Joe Biden being one of them, calling Peter Ducey a stupid SOB, comes to mind. No discipline whatsoever, whatsoever. No, every time the Biden administration has had the opportunity to hold somebody to the standards they themselves have set, they, oddly enough, have passed on doing so. Why? Because they never really meant it anyway, suckers. But I love this part. Several officials say Biden's tendency to berate advisors when he's displeased with how a situation is being handled, meaning his decision-making, or when events go off poorly has trickled down the ranks in the West Wing, leaving several mid-level aides feeling blamed for failings despite lacking any really real ability to influence the building's decision-making. Now, don't you love that? Joe Biden, Mr. I will respect every... I give you my word as a Biden. I give you my word as a Biden. Yeah, unless your word as a Biden involves advising no woman in the world to ever date your son. Your word as a Biden ain't really worth squat, pal. But it gives you his word as a Biden that he will re restore respect and trust and dignity to the White House now. All of you idiots disserving me, you need to be the... See, <clears throat> lashing out, irrational... Lashing out is a sign of dementia. I know you're not supposed to say that, but it is a sign of dementia. Look it up. 
That, they say, has contributed to some of the recent staff departures, according to people familiar with it. Boy, wait till they get a load of the vice president's office who's lost, what, a baker's dozen of people in the first year and a half? Including pretty much everybody at the top of the heap turned over because they can't work for that that person? Hmm. Democrats worry that the lack of decisions and authority are deepening their own midterm problems and feeding a sense that the president couldn't truly handle the extra complications of a run for re-election in 2024 and along the way reinforcing narratives that he is an old man not fit for the moment. Now, this isn't being said on CNN. As far as I know, this still hasn't been said on CNN. I'm sure that gasps would probably blow out the sound system at CNN if somebody said this on the air. But the fact that this is being written on CNN.com is telling, is interesting, and it lets you know that at some point, for the greater good of the party, they were eventually going to have to turn on Joe. Now, this isn't fully turning on Joe. This is more uh, firing a warning shot at Joe, letting him know that he needs to shape up or ship out he better get his act together so the president who campaigned on putting america back together again after four years of deep divisions appears to have stopped trying supporters say quote there's no fight another democrat member told cnn people understand that a lot of this is out of his hands but what you want to see is a president out there swinging (laughs) he is well he's out there flailing i guess it just depends on a matter of perspective Arms are swinging when you're flailing around. It's not a good time to be a Democrat, which means it's a good time to be an American. I love this story about the the White House panicking, the Democrats panicking about Joe Biden. It's just, it's not working. It's not working. And there's a very long article at CNN under the subheadline in the section, Throwing Spaghetti at the Wall. They're making it sound like these people have no freaking clue what the hell is going on. And they really don't. I mean... It, it might be that they're surprised that everything is going so badly. Every Everything they've done has turned to, to feces. But that just shows their ignorance of history and economic illiteracy. So a year and a half in, the Biden administration is under throwing spaghetti at the wall. A year and a half in, the Biden administration is struggling to untangle supply chains and tackle soaring inflation, which is by far the biggest problem facing Democrats up and down the ballot in November. Quote, it's got to look like you're taking action, said California Democrat Representative Ro Khanna. Any economist who says the president shouldn't do anything on the economy should be fired. They can be at uh, they can be at a think tank and they can be a professor, but they shouldn't be at the White House. End quote. It's this desperation. Please, for the love of God, do something. Do something. Sometimes the best course of action is to do nothing and let things work themselves out. But Democrats don't live in that world. They live in a world where they believe, they insist, as a matter of fact, that government, instead of being the cause of all the problems, is the solution to all the problems. There's just no record of that actually being accurate. Quote said uh, one time, um, let's see, one time member of the House, trying to hang on, uh, told a member, uh, told an aide to a member of the House who's in danger of losing their seat, quote, there's not a frontline office 
out there that isn't frustrated with the lack of action coming from the White House on inflation. At the very least, the president should get caught trying to bring prices down just about every day. Should get caught? First of all, this White House is trying to pretend that inflation isn't really real. For the first year, it was all transitory. Now it was Putin's price hike. Now it's, oh, it's those evil, greedy companies. But if it's Putin's price hike, how can it be evil, greedy oil companies? How is that? Is it Putin or is it the greedy oil companies? White House aides say that this is exactly what they are doing. And this is the panic. This is what the American people are seeing is we're trying to do anything, anything, anything. Except for what is guaranteed to work, which would be to open up oil exploration. But that's beside the point. Said in the past few months, the administration has announced a historic release of oil from the nation's strategic petroleum reserve, which is another way to put it is the nation uh, is now putting itself at risk by not having an emergency storage of oil that uh, for decades was deemed to be enough to have on hand just in case of emergencies. We're not, not having that anymore because Joe Biden is releasing 60 million barrels of this a million barrels at a day at a time to no effect to no to no effect whatsoever by the way so we're doing this and uh, it has a zero effect uh, why are we doing this why do you, why do you keep doing something that has no effect because you're a democrat you stick with what doesn't work you, you're pot committed so the administration has announced a historic release of oil from the petroleum reserve invoked the defense production act to address the baby formula shortage which also hasn't worked, and even floated a temporary suspension of the federal gas tax. They've seen it floated an idea. Here's an idea. What do you think of this? Well, that would actually have an impact, minor, but it would have, and it would take 18.4 cents off the price of a gallon of gas. Why don't we do that? Oh, no, 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 no. We're just floating the idea. We're just floating it. If you're floating an idea as the cure for what ails you, and then you do nothing about it. What do you think the American people are going to think about that idea and the person floating it? I've got a solution. Why don't we cut the, get rid of the gas tax for a while? Uh, all right. Well, forget it then. What do you mean? Well, you didn't, you didn't come over here and give me a big hug and a high five and a chest bump. But well, is it going to reduce the price? Yeah, it will. But it, you're right. Not all that much. What well, does it matter how much? Some is better than none, right? Ah, forget I said anything. And then you sit there and you go, maybe that's not the leader I want to follow into the battlefield. Maybe that guy who says, eh, never mind. Yeah, it would make a difference, but not that big of a difference. Maybe that's not the general you want to follow into the trenches. Just throwing it out there. Because I don't think, if you're looking to be inspired by this White House, they come out and they say forcefully, we should maybe consider... And you're going, wait, that's a lot of qualifiers. We should maybe consider a temporary whoa, wait a second, reduction or complete suspension of just for a little while the gasoline tax. Like, wow, that, wait a second, what? Because then some people might go, well, if suspending the gas tax for a while is good for consumers, why? then reinstating it would be bad for consumers, right? Why would you want to be bad to consumers? Or Joe Biden saying, "I'm only going to, uh, I'm only going to in 
entertain the idea of getting rid of the gas tax that will help people. If and if and they uh, the states do it too. Well, that's not that's not leadership, is it? So, but none of these moves have solved the problems. Of course, they never were. The baby food shortage persists. Inflation remains high, and gas prices, though slightly down from their highs, are still hovering close to five dollars a gallon. Biden's support for a gas tax holiday was a subject of months of deliberations amongst officials, many of whom were against it and privately suggested that it was purely a political step to show uh, initiative on gas prices and only recently put the question in front of Biden directly. (laughs) Quote, it has the appearance of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, end quote, said one official privately. There's your Biden administration analogy of the day. They really are flailing, sputtering, desperate. And angry. Joe Biden gets ang- Joe Biden is a horrible leader, and then he gets mad at the people around him when people go, God, this president's a horrible leader. The latest poll, the newest poll, I think, has uh, it's a Marist poll, I think it was, has Joe Biden's approval rating at 36%. It's gone down. I don't tell you this to make you feel cocky and go, well, <laughs> November is going to be glorious. No, we're, November should be glorious. But never underestimate the Republicans' ability to screw it up. And never underestimate the Democrats' ability to cheat. You never spike the football on the five-yard line. You don't get complacent and say, we got this in the bag until it's in the bag. The bag is in the trunk. The trunk is in the car. The car is at the shop. You don't ever, until it's over, the clock reads zero, 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 zero. And there are no flags on the play, so that nobody gives you. And it doesn't matter. Well, there's a flag on the play, but they can only score one touchdown, and we're up by uh, 15. Don't count Democrats out, ever. There is no more diabolical group of human beings. Everything, think of everything. Everything Democrats have said in the past six years about Republicans, particularly Donald Trump, think of all of it. Think of every little bit of it. That is exactly, precisely directly completely what what democrats are pushing that's what democrats are doing that is what democrats are capable of i'm just saying that's who and what they are and so you sit there and you go well joe biden is really yes he is yes he is but the democratic party still exists democrats still have deep money deep pocket rich guy billionaire donors they still do They're going to be flush with cash. They're going to be flush with an army of flying monkeys. They're going to use intimidation. They're going to try to change laws in states at the last minute. They're going to do everything. They're going to use the courts that they control. Don't ever count them out. Don't ever take your eye off of them. Just keep an eye on them constantly until it's over and said and done. They're like, think of them like Jason Voorhees. They're never dead until they're dead. As we get ready to wrap it up here, running out of time looking at the clock, I want to play you this clip from Sam B. Sam B. is an alleged comedian, Canadian, lives in America now, lives in New York, makes a pretty damn good living in the United States, working one day a week. She's so unpopular that TBS goes, we're only going to put you on one day a week. She's mad at the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade, and so she said the following 
I can't describe how painful it is to be here now in a place where the Supreme Court has the power to erase 50 years of constitutional law. Make no mistake, this is not where it ends. Conservatives will not rest until they have come for all of our rights. Everything we have fought for could be lost unless we take it back. It's not just about voting in November. It's about doing everything in our power to protect and help vulnerable people access abortion across state lines. And we have to raise hell in our cities, in Washington, in every restaurant Justice Alito eats at for the rest of his life. Because if Republicans have made our lives hell, it's time to return the favor. It's time to return the favor, said the four foot eight Canadian who... If you Google, I recommend you search this. Samantha Beast Children's School, Manhattan. She and her husband worked feverishly to deny minority children access to the Manhattan school that her kids and a whole bunch of other rich liberals' kids attend. They're going to open it up to, they're going to redraw the area and say, oh, well, we can get more minority kids into this school here. No, 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 this is an outrage. This is an outrage. And they fought tooth and nail, and I believe they won to make sure that black and brown children did not go anywhere near their children. That's Sam B. She wants to make life hell for Sam Alito and Republicans and forever. If you ever see this little angry dwarf out in Manhattan, maybe let her know that uh, what what bulls excrete through their rear ends. Hmm? Just tell her you said hello. I said hello. What a scumbag. Speaking of scumbags, we've got this clip of Joy Reid. This is how Joy Ann Reid decided to start her show. Joy Reid is famous for, um, I guess the closest thing she's famous for, aside from being the lowest rated person on MSNBC, is that she had a blog where she had a whole bunch of racist but that's okay it's msnbc they didn't care but transphobic and homophobic screeds on it she famously when it was pointed out said oh uh, those are uh, my blog must have been hacked retroactively i don't know where those came from yet uh she said she was going to contact the fbi nothing came of that it was discovered that through the wayback machine that she had posted these things. she was just a liar just a liar but being caught lying at msnbc is a virtue not a vice and so she was not punished. She was not fired. And she remains there to this day. The audience doesn't even like her, but, you know, firing her would be difficult. It would be, uh, you can't make your living and a good chunk of your audience by calling everything the other side does racist and then fire a black lady, no matter how untalented she is, who screams racism at everything. Because I suspect she'd scream racism at you. Maybe they'll rele- they used to have her on the weekdays and they put her on the weekends. They brought her back to weekdays. Maybe they'll relegate her to some streaming service and say, we didn't fire her. We just changed it. But anyway, this is, how, this is why nobody watches her. This is how she opened her show. All of this, as more than 100 million women and queer folks with uteruses too, woke up to yet another day in America, basically as state property in the more than 20 fully or partially Republican-controlled states that the Supreme Court's conservative majority unleashed to literally take physical control of half the population. Gay people with uteruses. Not women. They don't count as women. She doesn't even seem to understand. Now, it's my understanding that you don't have to be gay to be trans. I, I, know, I know you can tell by the smirk in her face and you can hear it in her voice. And she she's just paying lip service. She's like, I gotta I gotta say this crap. I don't believe this stuff. But we're told constantly that trans women are women, right? And that trans men are men. 
So then, wait a second. What's going on? She's not acknowledging any of that. Is she? It, it just seems like there are so many things that could easily trigger the left if, well, if they were watching, which again goes to show you that they probably weren't watching. They don't watch Joy Reid. She's insufferable, and even they can't take her. Lastly, today, I wanted to get to this. The sixty uh, today, the sixth of July, is the sixty-fifth anniversary of when Harry met Sally. No, when John met Paul. When John Lennon met Paul McCartney at the uh, Wooten Village Fate. It's a garden party. And British have different names for things. Why I don't know, but they did. They were John was sixteen. Paul was 15, and this is put together, this montage, by one of the uh, Beatles hyper fan uh, Twitter accounts. It uh, cuts interviews with John and Paul with the movie, I think it's Nowhere Boy. It's well worth watching. But uh, listen to this, just to commemorate the 65th anniversary of musical history that made music good again. Paul met me the first day I did Bebopalula live on stage and a, f- a mutual friend brought him to see my group called the Quarrymen. I had a mate at school who was called Ivan, Ivan Vaughan, and uh, one day he said, do you want to come to the Wilton Village Fete? So I said, yeah, all right. So we went along one Saturday afternoon. And we met and we talked after the show. And I saw he had talent and he was playing guitar backstage and doing 20 Flight Rock by Eddie Cochran. Is there any tea left, please? There's no tea left, John. You got that back to front, haven't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Any requests? Yeah, that pink carnation is very dandy. Can I borrow it? But the thing I think impressed him most was um, I knew all the words. She's a queen, two dance on a Saturday night. All alone, I can hold a top, but she lives on the 20th floor of town. The elevator's broken now, so I walk one, two, five, five, four, five, six, seven, five, five, more. Four, twelve, I'm starting to drag. Fifteen, four, I'm ready to sag. Get to the top, I'm too tired to rock. I was the singer. And the leader, I made the decision whether to have him in the group or not. Was it better to have a a guy who was better than the people I had in, obviously, or not? And that decision was to let Paul in to make the group stronger. And I turned around to him right then on first meeting and said, do you want to join the group? And I think he said yes the next day. It, there's a dispute of whether or not he said yes the next day. Somebody else said that he, uh, according to the book I'm reading, that he, he uh, said yes the next week. He was asked the next week. But whatever the case, John brought in Paul. Paul brought in George a few months later. They needed another guitarist. And then they had Pete Best for a while. They, you can sit there and say they really screwed over Pete Best. But if you just listen to the contemporary accounts and read them, Realized Pete Best probably wasn't the best drummer, wasn't all that good, and didn't seem all that interested in getting any better. So when uh, Richard Starkey became available, and uh, the producer said, we're not going to use your drummer, you can do with him what you want and live, but we're not going to use him in the studio, it became obvious that they had to change, and they went with Ringo, and the rest, as they say, is history, as it should be, 65 years ago today. 
Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back tomorrow with another exciting episode. And who knows what day in Beatles history that will end up being. It just depends on what I happen to notice. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.